You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to episode 136 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And as always, we have a Reddit community going for every Flipping Tables episode. So if any of these topics today sparks your interest, head to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, and then you'll find a link to every episode, including this most recent one. And, uh, you know, we love the the community feedback, and as part of our follow up today, we had a, a. This was actually on Twitter, which is another way you can talk to us. Um, one of our listeners uh, decided to count how many times we referred to <laughs> male genitalia with different words and kind of rank like which one we preferred. Um, this was, of course, because of our Lego penis topic. It was not like just a general. We're like penis, 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 dick, 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 um, and. Uh, it turns out that dick is our preferred <laughs> term <laughs> with penis only one behind, you know, 17 versus 16 mentions. It's not bad. It was close. We had three dongs, two phalluses, and one wood. <laughs> I like next to wood, it says incidental. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that said individual at first, and I was like, well, like we, there's woods and there's what, single One wood. individual wood? Well, I guess maybe only, since it's one, only one of us maybe said wood. See, see this This is why uh, whenever someone talks about big data, it's like, no, raw data is not enough. You need context. Are they saying that we said wood but not referring to male genitalia? Is that what he's suggesting? See, there are so many unanswered questions. Uh, well, Lyrica Bustier, you need to, Lycra, Lycra Bustier. Excuse me, you need to let us know. Yeah. And I did, on uh, on his behalf, go and throw this into the Reddit, because I was like, everyone needs to see this. <laughs> like, like, this got official retweets. I retweeted this. I think you retweeted this. I was like, I just love so much that this happened. Looks like a high-quality post-it note he scribbled this on. <laughs> I thought the texture kind of looked like the surface of one of those drums you used to see in, like, band class as a kid. <laughs> It's also kind of like the generic background for 80s and 90s studio photography. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's uh, like a school photo background. It's like the rag paint kind of <laughs> splotchy pattern. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the topic of today's podcast. We're just going to dissect this photo for a full hour. Uh, we had some other follow-up. Tell me about Justin's uh, follow-up. So uh, you were talking about kind of like alternative business models uh between you know just like selling all of your information for ads and how you would love for that to not be the case and and we talked about like maybe it'd be nice if when you left one of these services they didn't then own everything they knew about you for presumably all time and could sell it to anyone they wanted forever and uh justin on twitter said that sounds an awful lot like the right to be forgotten which is uh if you're not familiar i, I know we've talked about this at one time or another but it's uh, a law that was passed in the EU uh, that is completely unenforceable and is totally ridiculous, <laughs> where they're asking parts of the internet, namely Google, to forget about things uh, so that an individual can basically hide their past if they want to. Yeah. Except not news, but sometimes news, and <laughs> not private businesses, except sometimes when it's Google. So like it, it's very shaky what it 
actually represents and what it legally represents are, is all over the place. And, and Justin just said like this, this, your argument kind of sounds like the right to be forgotten, which is generally thought of to be a bad thing. Yeah. And the reason it's, it's thought of to be a bad thing is because then someone would do something shady and there'd be a news story about it. And then they would get that news story delisted from Google. And then you as a citizen arguably have a right to know that like your neighbor is a pedophile or they yeah. committed a murder or something. I think the difference is you didn't write that news article, whereas you author your tweets or your Facebook posts. And I, I mean, I guess it gets gray on the data you generate otherwise. Um, and I, I do wonder though, um, I agree that right to be forgotten is problematic to, to say <laughs> it like the most generous way. Um, and probably just something that's never going to work uh, without serious, terrible consequences long term. Um, but I do wonder about, like, let's say you have a private Twitter account or you set Facebook to only share with your five family members. Um, is that unreasonable to want that to be able to be purged? Um, and I know that's like it's not just a can you just to the tech side of that of like how to <laughs> how to do it. Like I, I realize that's also not simple. Um but I, I wonder or like, hey, how about we can separate? These were the public things. Um you walked through this and then you were caught on CCTV footage that was the right of the property owner to be filming their own yard, like Sorry, the fact that you walk there is not something we will delete. But <laughs> there can be lots of things that are gathered that presumably could be deleted. That, and I know, like, I guess maybe that's the same thing he's bringing up is like, how do you navigate that? Um, yeah, it's. I mean, the the specific uh, example he brought up was Twitter. And he said, if I and he means hypothetically, I'm pretty sure he is not a Trump supporter. But he said. <laughs> If I tweet about my love for Trump and then Trump loses the election and then I quit Twitter, all those old tweets in this hypothetical world then go away. And now there's no record of me being like this fervent Trump supporter. And the the question that this kind of starts to raise is not only is this complicated about when should stuff be private versus what should be public and then what should be deleted if it was considered private – you then start to cross into this horrible, even muddier zone of what is a public space where record keeping is acceptable? Yeah. Like once Twitter reaches a certain magnitude, is that considered a public forum? And if you're stupid enough to shout something racist in there, that follows you forever. And I, I'm kind of on the side of like, yes, yeah, be, because I want the fact that we have a, a well-maintained uh, and accurate document of history to not be something we hold against people forever, but the not holding it against people forever part has to be a cultural thing. There's no technological yeah. solution to that. So th this is the issue is like I'm in favor of this accurate historical technological record forever because that's an amazing thing that digital stuff makes much easier, but I don't want the cultural shift of if I can find a stupid thing someone said 15 years ago when they were a 10 year old, I shouldn't be able to punish them over that. Like our culture should that. not support I see that. Twitter accounts pulling up like 
Trump tweets from like five years ago and just being like, you said the exact opposite of what you just said five years ago. And not right. in a you changed your mind after you discovered new information way, but in a <laughs> the totally politically expedient way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is most people don't recognize... Like if if you found a, a tweet from a, a kid who said like I love I don't know some terrible band I love Nickelback and then like ten years <laughs> later do you get to be like ah oh, you like Nickelback like no chances are that was just a ridiculous part of childhood yeah. right but if if Trump says something with all conviction or any you know not to just pick on him but if if a, a politician or a public figure says something with all conviction and then when it's advantageous to say the opposite says the opposite with all conviction and there's no clear reason that their opinion changed and when pressed that their opinion changed they're like no i always felt this way like that's when that accurate record is so useful cuz you can be like yeah. no you did not always feel this way so I'm my problem is I'm on the side of technology here, but it requires this massive cultural shift. We have not yet shown any evidence we're prepared well, to make. And I realize even if I could get Twitter in this example to purge everything they know about me, um, that doesn't prevent all of the ad tech companies that probably just make copies of all of Twitter to mine later. Um Nothing's going to stop them from building their profile anyway and then selling it to whoever they want um, as long as that's not an illegal thing to do. <laughs> and so, and I, yeah. it's really problematic to say it's illegal because then what, what are you allowed to view someone do in public and then make decisions about for your business? Like, <laughs> it becomes like an insane, like, I don't know how you navigate that. But I, I still think there's, there's something to, uh, renegotiating the meaning of business records because right now it does seem kind of crazy uh, how many different virtual drones are following you in every sense and and making maps of everything you do and it's just kind of like do we just got to be okay with that and right, right now the only way any data remains private is to never have it submitted in the first place i mean that's really all you got <laughs> the, the only private data is not data <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean the, we've definitely unpacked pieces of this before and the the crappy thing is the ultimate conversation ender that i hear every time any smart people talk about this that i would love to count ourselves among these people is like well we're gonna have to make some decisions about what our culture thinks is best because no one is stupid enough to accept all of Europe to, to think <laughs> you can put this genie back in the bottle. Like you can't, we cannot take these tools away from people now because legislating against them will just make them doing this more difficult. It will not actually stop them from doing it. They'll find increasingly uh, complex obfuscations and abstractions to build a profile about you, but they'll still make it work. Mm -hmm. I mean, famously, uh, a lot of people freaked out. God, this is probably three, four years ago now, maybe even longer. Uh, but it was in the news about how when you're in an incognito browser, like in Chrome or Safari's private browsing or whatever, some information still has to be sent to the web server to, you know, do internet stuff so like you can't be 100 percent anonymous and 
the unique combination of like what browser version you're using, what part of the world you're in, what operating system patch you're at, like what your screen resolution is, like all of these little things that are incredibly innocuous individually. If you have 50 of them build a unique enough thumbprint that it's like, eh, we can figure out who you are. (laughs) Because then when you came back later, when you were done with Pornhub and you went to Amazon and we got a nearly identical set of 50 things, it's like, okay, those two people are probably the same person. Like we're pretty sure, you know? So it's, this is i feel like the the technology problem is we shouldn't ignore it like we need better safeguards and security and privacy measures and things for security reasons but the the cultural side of it is the way the way bigger mountain to climb and the actual problem worth tackling yeah Whew, almost got off into a whole little subtopic there <laughs> um so I have a this this is like kind of like follow up just because I've been kind of meaning to mention it about uh, having an iOS device for a while um, and obviously there's Apple stuff to talk about but I, I just wanted to is throw there? this out I maybe I got to check back through my notes um, so you know I'm I'm coming to the end of my great iPhone experiment uh, I'm not going to be terribly sorry to see it go but. I did notice that the one thing I will genuinely miss unless there's some like ripoff on Android I just don't know about yet is is actually live photos. Huh. And I'm fairly sh- sure that when live photos was announced I was probably really dismissive of it because it's not particularly novel and it's not particularly technologically clever. And then this happened just like a week ago. I was going through my photos and uh, Google Photos will now autoplay a live photo. Like it recognizes what a live photo is, which is cool because that means all of my live photos are saved in Google Photos. They're not just going to be lost when I leave yeah. iOS. But I uh, was looking for a certain photo of my my toddler and I got to it and it started just playing automatically because I stopped swiping. And she looks off to the side of the camera and like smiles at my wife before she turns and looks at me and I took the photo and then like she giggles right after the photo was taken. And I was like, I would have completely forgotten that that had happened <laughs> if they hadn't just arbitrarily recorded that couple of seconds of footage. Yeah. And I mean, I have way more live photos that are just me trying to hold my hand still while I take a picture of a sign <laughs> or a sunset or something that I don't need it. But that one time or, you know, this handful Especially of times that those kind of delicate photographs with something you can't control like a little kid. Uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, having that little bit before and after, or like if you take a picture of the beach and then you in the live photo you like see the waves crash for a second, like that's it. It's, uh, I'm really it's remiss. Magical. I'm really <laughs> remiss to use the word magical. You knew exactly what I was going to say, um, but like you know, I wouldn't walk around showing live photos to other people. But me going through my photos and getting that like extra half second of my toddler giggling and smiling and not being like a miserable little toddler, like that was pretty amazing. So that I'm I'm actually when I switch back to Android going to look for some kind of live photos ripoff because I kind of don't want to give that up. Well, I think part of the magic of that feature is (laughs) that you don't you don't have to think about it you just take pictures and you go about your life so like i feel like if you want that on another platform you really want it to be part of whatever your camera app is um that you use all the time anyway 
Yeah, it only works if you don't have to think about it. Because otherwise, you're just shooting video. <laughs> well, otherwise, you're just shooting video. And with something like a child or a pet or like a natural phenomenon, like the waves crashing on the ocean, you're never going to say like, oh, that was really cool. Do that again so I can take <laughs> video this time. Right? Like That's just not how uncrack that egg so i can (laughs) yeah exactly so that that's you know i'm i'm gonna i'm going to find a way to replicate that experience because i'm not willing to give up that functionality otherwise it can die in a fire (laughs) now let's talk about what apple announced (laughs) now we know how you feel um well let's start with the biggest announcement apple watch (laughs) no wrong Uh, well, they, they announced uh, basically a faster processor, and uh, the, the high end is no longer $10,000, it's more like 1200 and it's made of ceramic, which is uh, kind of the probably the most interesting thing about it, because Apple very famously tries out things in small ways and then unveils them in much bigger ways later. Um, or, you know, if it's like, hey, we got this new idea for a port or a design, they'll do it on one device and then it spreads to the rest of, you know, we this whole unibody thing actually started with the iPod Nano when it first went really? metal. Yeah. And <laughs> I would that, not have guessed This is like that. a proof of concept of like, hey, we can, out of one single sheet, create this. <laughs> of aluminum. Um, and, you know, there's all the benefits that are well known and, and well replicated in a lot of manufacturers now of like it's slightly stronger and you save on space and whatever. Like, um, and so I think the ceramic is one of those things that's like, hey, this might be a clue to them trying to do this on an iPhone. Um, if it's, you know, sufficient, sufficiently, you know, futuristically strong and lets antenna signals through and whatever else. Um, insane engineering goes on when you make these little <laughs> tiny devices. Um, the watch itself is, seems like a you know it's a speed bump. It's got GPS now and it's uh, more stringently waterproof. They actually rate it and advertise you can swim with this now. Not yeah, just I think I think they actually called it swim proof. Yeah, so it's rated fifty meters for an insane amount of time. Like you can swim. People have been swimming laps with the first one, but Apple won't. Uh, your warranty will not survive you doing that, but now <laughs> it's within warranty to actually use it, you know, in less than 50 meters deep water. It's pretty cool. Um, but not yeah. so much that I'm like, hey, I better sell this and get the new one, which I love. I'm like, yes, more years of not feeling like I'm missing out. Well, and I feel like that's an important question Is is this for uh, people who don't have an Apple Watch or for anyone anywhere. And I think based on what they did, so the the new one is called the Series 2, which feels a lot more like fashion, watch, jewelry, right? You know, like it's not the Apple Watch 2, it's the Apple Watch Series 2, which is a lot more in that um, chronograph kind of culture. (laughs) So uh, the one you have doesn't get a name anymore people because are calling yours it no longer, zero well yeah the joke <laughs> name because the original apple watch is now called the series one but it actually has the faster processor and some of the spec bumps that the series two got but no gps chip um and, and no uh, the the new finishes are, are not there yeah so this is something I kind of wonder, like, this doesn't really feel like they are trying to incentivize upgrades. They're trying to incentivize 
people with Apple watches to now say like, Oh, you heard about the new Apple watch. Yeah. I think mine's pretty cool. And the new one's even better. So someone without one will now go get one, but someone who had one isn't really heavily incentivized to upgrade unless they really care about the GPS. And I kind of want to talk about this for a minute because I, I saw a lot of snark, like a tremendous overwhelming amount of snark during about an the Apple, Apple presentation about uh, like, oh, another fitness feature. Oh, they partnered with Nike. Ha ha ha. And I like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a fitness person. Like I'm not a crazy track every step that I take kind, but like I, I do a lot of active stuff and I kind of wanted to at reply all those people and be like, hey, did you know that this is like the fattest country in the world? And maybe the reason they're focusing so heavily on fitness stuff is because they know even though people are really fat, they have this illusion that they're going to stop being fat. And <laughs> and that like built-in desire sells products. Like how many people wear Nike shoes that are professional athletes versus people who wear Nike shoes because they go to the grocery <laughs> store and they want something that's comfortable to walk I've around I've always in. wanted to know the split on how many people that are drinking Gatorade or Powerade are just eating candy bars on a road trip and not like they stopped at the gas station on the road trip versus, you know, electrolytes, man. I need, <laughs> I need to replenish. Yeah. I mean, the presumably the vast majority of Gatorade drinkers, since it's sold in every grocery store and gas station are not athletes. I mean, just, <laughs> statistics and sales numbers would indicate that it'd be impossible to advertise it that way, I guess is what you're getting at. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it feels like that illusion of, um, health and fitness moves a lot of product. I, I think another thing going on is that Apple really kind of found that fitness was really the biggest win for the watch and that all the apps and smart home and like futuristic stuff, uh, people just aren't going to buy it for that. And they're going to have to discover that stuff later, like when the platform grows. And uh, I, I think that's also going on. That's why they're partnering with Nike and they're really pushing fitness, fitness. You don't want that stupid, you know, Fitbit band. You want like this futuristic watch that does fitness way better. Yeah. It, I mean, I really feel like the killer app is notifications, but they can't, get up and be like, oh, notification. don't you want to know who's calling you and be able to check the time without having to pull your phone out? That'd be amazing. Like, that's that's not interesting. That's not $350 interesting to be damn sure, let alone like $100 <laughs> for, you know, a, a cheaper device. But the fitness stuff, I've noticed they're not really talking about how the Apple Watch is all this other things plus fitness. They kind of talked about it like almost like this is a fitness device that also does other cool stuff. You can swim in it and it has the best heart rate monitor of any smartwatch and it tracks your runs and it integrates with other things that track other things. And you can make those things talk to each other and Pokemon go and it tracks the (laughs) eggs and like they're really, really playing up the fitness stuff. And I, I just, I mean, the cynical part of me really does kind of believe they're selling the fantasy of like, these are the shoes that'll make you get up at 5 a.m. and go for a run. And it's like, no, these are the shoes that will sit in the hallway closet (laughs) and you probably will never put them on again. But because the Apple Watch actually does other useful stuff, 
I can't really begrudge them for selling the fitness lie because if you buy it for fitness and then use it for all the <laughs> other reasons, like that's not so bad. Um, I do have to say that I hate the stand and breathe notifications. I disable them completely. Um, but I do like the fitness tracking when I decide to exercise. Like it's, I mean, this is probably just my use case personality anecdote land of like, <laughs> I want to tell you when I'm doing that thing. Don't come and nag me about it. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, the, the breathe and, and the stand notifications, like you, in all the time I've known you, you have like a, the kind of mentality toward work that I think most artists wish they had just like <laughs> everyone with Nike shoes wishes they were a real runner. Like most people talk about the novel they're going to write or the, the animation they're going to make or the song they're going to perform. But like you actually like put your head down and do it. And then when you're done and you're tired or you need to take a break, you take a break. So the, those <laughs> little seems very simple. <laughs> well, you have like a, a way better work ethic than I think most people do. And because it's kind of innate to your personality, you're like, yeah, I don't really need to be reminded to take a break. I'll take a break when I'm ready to take a break. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> so for for average people, you know, for for even I mean. I, I I like to think I have a pretty good work ethic, but I like having little reminders that are like, hey, maybe 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 take a second, maybe just uh, you've been working for a little while, maybe go stretch your gams or something. But not everyone needs that kind of prodding, or even if they would benefit from it, wants that kind of prodding. So I'm I'm not entirely shocked to hear you turned it off. <laughs> uh, I did try the breathe thing a couple of times and. I should probably do that exercise more regularly. You, sh you should breathe every day. <laughs> <laughs> but every time that notification popped up, I was like very angry about it. I was just like, <laughs> stop. No, I'm not doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, aren't a lot of notifications like IRA raising though? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so we, we should talk about the... Um, ceramic thing though because you linked to this amazing Cora post that I cannot even begin to have fully digested in one reading yeah and I do think like we need a good grains of salt take on it because it's it's almost like it, it it's built on a lot of true things like Apple's actual patents now an actual product they're releasing and, and all these things but it what it doesn't uh, do is uh, kind of give you the naysayers like well ceramics great in these situations but it's not so great in these situations and I, I think that's sort of what the the grounding this article needs but as a fantasy take on what the <laughs> future material is um and it's not just straight up like oh it's clay this thing is just gonna shatter um it's it's a very you know like anything apple it's not just aluminum they actually you know it's special alloys they've sourced or um invented and um, the the whole idea behind the ceramic thing, which this is a Cora article, is uh, uh, the you know you, you obviously you want a strong material, you want a light material, and that's sort of where the rub is almost every single time. Is if you make it light, it's not strong anymore, and uh, if you make it strong, it's not light anymore. Um, but the the other problem you run into is heat dissipation, and uh, you know there, I, I think the 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 exciting part of material advancements like this is um, engineers from all companies trying to make tiny devices struggle with 
performance of the device because of all the limitations of size, uh, battery, um, all these things. And one of the ways you can attack it is not just more efficient processors, not just bigger batteries that can you know keep the the thing alive longer, um, but also uh, the you know famously small chips have to throttle just because they will melt if they they try to do something intense for too long. Sometimes so if, other parts of the phone will even catch fire. <laughs> and maybe, you know, burn little children or entire <laughs> Jeeps down. Um, let's hope that never happens. Um, and so, you it's know, really material... It's funny, but it's a little funny. It's not funny at all. It's not um, funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, the... The, the excitement around this patent and, and sort of the, the glowing, uh, we need a, also a critical take version of it is, uh, if you can have this material like ceramic that will spread heat so well, it'll be the heat sink for your device that really takes care of that. Then you can have way faster devices, um, and not worry about that. So I think that's the main thing that's exciting here. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, so cartoonishly, trivially little I understand about the different kinds of ceramics. Because like most people, I'm sure when you hear the word ceramic, you think like pot or bowl, yeah. <laughs> right? And and these are more like ceramics used for heat shielding on the space shuttle. Like it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a completely different material made in a different way. And, you know, it's it's the component minerals that have some overlap that is why these two things have the same word to describe them but um my understanding is that the trade-off is uh and this is true of, of metals as well as as hardness goes up your uh scratch and dent ability goes way down but your shatter ability goes way up because a a really hard surface won't scratch or dent but when it does reach its breaking point it just shatters completely and yeah. I mean, you can just... The go- distribution of force just goes yeah. like crazy. So you can just go into your kitchen and grab any random plate and see if you can scratch it with a knife. And the answer is probably not, or at least not easily, but it will break, you know, and it will just shatter into little bits. And the Apple Watch, the high-end one that's na- now made out of high-end ceramic, is literally strapped to your body. So it is not yeah. it is not likely to suffer a fall and you're not likely to bash your arm into something so hard that you would shatter it. But a phone, I mean, people drop their phones all the time. So I kind of yeah. I kind of wonder if something I do hit my watch on walls and railings <laughs> hard enough that you would break the ceramic, but not the screen, though. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I feel like with the a phone or anything that you would hold, you know, a meter-ish off the ground, and the ground might be hard concrete, if you're kind of trading scratch and dent resistance for shatterability, and I'd rather have a phone with a little dent in it than a phone that's in a million little pieces because it's shattered into dust. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a, a soon-to-be-solved problem or a... a already solved problem excuse me if you're using the the right kind of ceramics um but i know as as far as i've heard the ceramic that the apple watch is made out of is still the eventually shatters kind yeah and i mean the point is well taken that you're you're not going to drop your watch you might bang your arm into things but you're not 
you're not just going to drop it. Right. It's literally attached to you in a way your phone pretty much never is, unless you're still one of those shoulder armband runners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even that's the edge case. But uh, yeah. And uh, I think this is kind of an awkward segue, but I'm going to sort of try and make it work here. Um, the idea of trying to make a phone super scratch resistant is funny in light of what they actually announced, which is a phone that is like a scratch magnet. So, I mean, do you have anything else to say about the the watch? Just that there's one more interesting side project to the ceramics is that there's actually a kind of lithium ceramic battery that's uh, in the patents. And so um, the idea here is you might make your battery also your case. And this kind of battery would be much less likely to fail or burn or blow up just by the nature of the materials, which might be a, a concern of people in, in recent news. Um, but I think right now that that's not a proven option because it's so much less efficient. So it's like, uh, unless we're going to throw a 20 milliamp hour. Like <laughs> My understanding about battery, like huge revelations is... Uh, once this stuff is proven out in the lab, there is a huge hurdle to get it to the point where it's safe to put into consumer products because batteries can, and this is not me jabbing at Samsung, but I mean, batteries can explode. They can catch fire. They can leak caustic chemicals out depending on what they're made out of and filled with. So like there is a very, very real safety concern going back to the very first batteries that were ever developed that were like huge jars of acid with, you know, copper wire run through them. So every time I see a Reddit article that's like, amazing new battery technology, I'm like, my grandkids will love this because (laughs) that's about the shelf. I mean, lithium-ion batteries are a 100 years old or something ridiculous or like 70 years old, and they've just in our adulthood become commonplace. Like you still go to the store and most AAA batteries and AA batteries are still nickel cadmium batteries. They're not yeah. lithium batteries. So it's it's just for good reason, right? You don't want think your phone exploding or setting itself on fire. Like the, I understand yeah. why they have to bear out all these safety measures, but – Talking about something that sounds as sci-fi as like the case is the battery, <laughs> the whole universe is the battery. It's like hey, okay. they did that with the antennas and it went poorly at first, but now it's working. <laughs> yeah, but antennas tend not to explode no, when they fail. True. Well, they're not technology that's literally about packing as much energy as possible <laughs> into tiny spaces. Right. So whenever I hear cool battery stuff, I'm I'm genuinely hopeful, but it's not something I expect to see. I will forget about it long before it makes it to market. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, that. Neat. Yeah. So the iPhone. Hey. Scratchable iPhone. Yeah. So um, let's just get all the, the stuff out of the way just to prove we are familiar with the event. Uh, cameras and new chips and super fast and, oh, my God, JavaScript performance and all that other stuff. <laughs> uh, but there's a few things that they mentioned that are, are like the points actually worth talking about. Uh, they did some kind of super uh, crazy Johnny Ive video to explain the jet black finish. And yeah. that is beautiful the, video. It, absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Yes. Probably one of their greatest Johnny I videos ever. And that is the new finish. It's only on the plus I, or is it on? Can you do it on seven plus? Only. I thought it was only on that bigger storage. 
I think because it, is it bigger storage and the plus or bigger storage for either? I think it's just bigger storage for either. Okay, yeah, because th- this is like the premium iPhone, and it says right in the disclaimer, and let me get this up here so I can quote it correctly. The high-gloss finish of the Jet Black iPhone 7 is achieved through a precision nine-step anodization pulsing process. Its surface is equally as hard as other anodized Apple products, semicolon. However, colon, its high shine may show micro-abrasions with use. If you are concerned about this, we suggest you use one of the many fine cases available to protect your iPhone, also completely obviating away anyone ever seeing that you got a Jet Black iPhone. <laughs> I may have embellished that last part, but the rest is right off of their website when you're ordering the phone. Yeah. And and then, it, I mean, am I crazy if I say that the higher a polish something is, the smoother it is? Like, a mirror is quite smooth. That's also what makes it reflective. It's the the high... Uh, yeah. the high symmetry of the surface. There's not a lot of noise on the surface. Yes. So I'm inclined to think that despite what a particular Apple blogger has been saying, that by definition, something that is a super high gloss cannot be grippy. <laughs> so you have this thing that is susceptible to damage and presumably you are likely to drop it. Am, am I oversimplifying here? <laughs> You just got this axe about this shiny iPhone. <laughs> I mean, it looks absolutely gorgeous, but it's a thing you're meant to hold in your hand. And humans are oily, disgusting creatures that are dropping our devices all the time. Like, how is this thing going to look good <laughs> the second you expose it to the environment, let alone put it in your pocket? This isn't a defense of the, the, the finish as a product they actually sell, but it's kind of like the sports car that's to get people <laughs> excited about buying their Ford Focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you want to know that the company that makes the super slick Mustang also makes the Ford Focus, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, ooh. Uh, I mean, um, it, it looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> but uh, I would go matte black. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If I was getting iPhone seven, I'm not because I'm I'm still on my my uh, I'm going with the iPhone six I have for at least another year. So I'll, I'll go three years. Live um, strong. <laughs> live strong. Um, also, plateau life. Like I, I think you can live <laughs> longer on the same device without you know feeling like your device is completely crippled uh, from software updates that demand so much more. We, I mean, this is what we want, right? We want the device. This is not what Apple wants because it means people buy fewer phones. Yeah. But we as consumers want to be able to look at a product and make a decision about whether or not we want to upgrade and not feel like, oh, my God, what I have is now garbage. I have to yeah. have that new thing. Well, it's like as long as you have an SSD, your MacBook is probably fine unless it needs a new battery because it's five or six years old. Um, but it'll run El Capitan or if you know, you're within the margin, the, the new one, just fine. Well, also they don't sell MacBooks anymore. Oh, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Probably just have to wait a month, you know, after waiting three years, just wait a month. Um, so iPhone seven, I, I think one of the remarkable things is they didn't make it thinner and they added battery life. (laughs) Which well, is the battery life is entirely from software optimization, right? Which I'm not no, taking 14% away from percent bigger. It, the battery itself is larger. On the seven, it's fourteen percent bigger, and on the plus, it's five percent bigger. Which it's already a bigger battery, so five percent means more for that one. Dang! 
So the the world is actually coming to an end now. This is it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, the the big controversy though we have to talk about is their chip performance, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we can skip that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not even. Um, I mean, the, this is the thing about the the new iPhone is we could dig in on which colors they decided to go with. Uh, the fact that it looks almost exactly like the iPhone six, except it's the most refined expression of this design. Was, <laughs> is that what he, I think that was close to what he said. Cause the, no, the uh, antenna uh, lines don't go across I, the back anymore. W- was it the most singular expression? The most singular expression. <laughs> Some, something like that. Um, needs, needs more British, <laughs> but the, I'm, I'm not even going to try. I'm sure I butchered that even worse than my impression. But the, the thing that all this comes down to is, uh, the chip is a massive up improvement, right? Like Apple has really gotten stellar at mobile chips and because yeah. they write the software for their stuff, they can eke out every little drop of performance. It's like, like a console game system where, yeah, the, I, where they also happen to have the best chip and maybe not all of their other components are better than anyone else. Um, certainly not. They don't have the highest res screens. They don't even have the brightest screen necessarily. Some people really like OLED or AMOLED. Um, but nonetheless, like what you're saying, the the integrated console like optimization is there, right? And and I'm not trying to take any of that away from them. What I do think is interesting is uh, I didn't get to watch the event live, so I was going back through you know the the live blogs and the tweets and stuff, and everything about the iPhone Seven in my mind confirmed the. We're releasing an iPhone because we have to, but really next year's is going to be the cool one. <laughs> like this, yeah. this is the iPhone 6SS. Oh, that's probably not good. This is is the iPhone 6S yeah. again, S.2, right? And, and yeah. it's not to take anything away from the significant improvements. The chip is a lot better. The camera thing they're doing is interesting. The new color options are probably going to be attractive to some people and, and all of that stuff. Like... Those are all significant things, but you can tell they kind of like they didn't them not changing the outward design to me is is strongly indicative of when we change the design, that's when we want you to stand up and take notice. And because they didn't do that, it's like eh, we had to release one because we release one every year. I think this is. I'm not surprised by that viewpoint, and that's very well represented in the tech press of oh, it looks the same. Um, I'm sort of frustrated by that because some years they really do completely change the internals like the going 64-bit on the 5s even though the form factor didn't change um that the technology in the 5s with the fingerprint sensor and the the actual 64-bit chip really made it it's like that's the first like modern iphone or something (laughs) like I like if someone were buying one now and they wanted to buy the cheapest one they could, I would say don't go older than the 5S. Like oh, at yeah. least get the 5S. And it's be- and it's sort of like frustrating when it's like, whoa, it doesn't look different. And it's like, but they really did make a lot of changes. Yeah, and and, and I should be clear, I'm not I'm not down on the fact that they stuck with that design because there are some benefits to that. Like 
it will be familiar to anybody who's held a six or a six S because the, the specs, those dimensions are almost the same. Um, it is an attractive design. If you like it, I don't care for that design, but I mean, it's obviously very popular. So there's reasons not to break with those established successful conventions. My, all I'm, all I'm really harping on is because they're such a visual and design focused company, not changing the outward design is evidence of the rumors that the 10th anniversary edition is going to be the yeah. like we pulled out all the stops <laughs> i wonder if they'll really do that i mean I, i'm sure they'll make a little video celebrating 10 years of iphone um but the last time apple did like a crazy like celebration of a decades long product it was like the 20th anniversary of the macintosh and that device is cool for museums, but not cool for real life in any way. <laughs> yeah, I mean there there are historical. I don't see the, and, I don't see them making like a silly iPhone or anything. No, but I th- I think there are historical and logistical reasons to not put all your eggs in the anniversary basket because maybe there's just nothing exciting that's ready for that year, and you don't want to make a big deal for anniversary purposes when really if you'd waited another year or two you could have been like okay this is what we've been working on for 12 years instead of for 10 years but 12 isn't as nice of a number because we have a base 10 counting system like i i I definitely agree with you there but there are the little signs like them trying out the ceramic body the the headphone jack which we'll obviously talk about like the fact that they cut that um now because this doesn't seem like a particularly good time like there's nothing about right now that's particularly advantageous about removing the headphone jack with the exclusive exception of it won't be news next time. That's a great point. Like it's the heat shield to all that. It's like, <laughs> yes. you know, let out all your vitriol now and then you'll be just in acceptance mode next time. Yes. And this also means that they can um, find whatever problems there are with the AirPods and and work those out because they're trying some interesting things there. And then next year they can be like, okay, this comes with lightning pods Mark II. AirPods Mark II are way more awesome. The phone looks different. You got to buy all new cases and everything. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's extrapolating from a very small and very incomplete data set. But the narrative certainly fits Apple's kind of personality, I guess. So if they don't do it, I don't think it'll be like a missed opportunity. But if, <laughs> if that's the hand they're going to play, it certainly seems appropriate. Yeah. Do we got to talk about this headphone jack thing? So I want to talk about this, but not probably in the way most every other podcast this past week talked about it. What I want to actually, what I think is interesting, and I mean, I'm sure you have opinions since you're like a little bit more of an audiophile. You probably own way more headphones than the average person would. Um, I am really excited for the AirPods, not because I think I will ever buy them. In fact, I am fairly confident I won't, not the least of which because I'm going to move away from the iPhone. Um, Actually, do they function as normal Bluetooth headphones? I don't think they do. They totally do. So I can use them with like a PlayStation? Yep. Crazy pants. Anyway, I still don't think I would buy these these particular headphones um, just because of like the cost and, and it's a new idea. But 
I want this. Like, I want this to be a thing that exists and lots of companies are trying to throw their research dollars at. I mean, I know we talked about the Braggy Dash on this show. You guys talked about the Braggy Dash uh, in your things on uh, Bits and Pieces. Um, we talked about the Moto Hint when that was announced. Like, I I want Jane on the little jewel in my Ender Wigan ear. Yeah. Like, I want it so bad. And the idea of these like super slick headphones that are really high quality and have a really smart way of interacting with them that doesn't involve buttons and that are, are super portable and that last a long time and have like all the genius of Google now and, and the Google assistant built in. Like that is a product I want. And yeah. there's one thing you can count on Apple for, which is when they do it, other people will try and imitate it. And if those people make money imitating it, then it becomes a, who can do it better war. And yeah. as the consumer, that means I get what I want. Yeah. And even though no one gave a single shit about the braggy dash, <laughs> you know that from now on, if if this conception of ear pods or whatever you want to freaking call them um, becomes like a established type of headphone, um, everyone will be like, oh, they didn't invent it. The braggy dash exists before. <laughs> um, I, I do like... Uh, I, the more I think about and read about the AirPods, I'm like slightly tempted, um, but probably won't get them um, anytime soon. Maybe version two or some other company's version of it. Um, but they, they, just to recap some of the cool like special sauce, like they're Bluetooth headphones, but the cool <laughs> sauce is... You know, they, they have sensors, so they know if they're in your ears, so they go to sleep when you're not using them. There's no power button you have to think about. That's cool. That should be standard life everywhere. Don't make me think about powering them down. You know if you're clasped to my head. Yeah, and, and IR sensors are not expensive or complicated, and that's what yeah. it's doing. It's detecting the heat from your inner ear. Yeah, and for the same reason, uh, if you only wear one, it uh, it doesn't just send only the right side to your right ear. It uh, does a mono mix and sends. So if you're listening to a stereo song, you'll still hear the whole song. Yeah, which is super smart. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Should be standard everywhere now. Everyone <laughs> copy that. Yes. <laughs> um, and the whole like you know iCloud driven like seamless like I'm on my Mac or I'm on my iPad. Just let me listen to the thing I'm using again. That should be normal life now. Everyone take that. Yep. Um, and then I saw so much snark on Twitter about them being $160, which I was tempted at first to be like, yeah, what the hell, Apple? You're everything's so expensive. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, the Braggy Dash are $300. Yeah. And Samsung's smart earbuds, which admittedly do fitness and also have some storage to store music on them, too, so they're doing more, they are also $200, and they only get an hour of battery life. Ugh. And the Braggy Dash only gets three hours, two in practice. And so I was like, oh, five hours is actually pretty great for this kind of product. Right. Obviously, if you're just mad that your wired headphones don't work anymore, saying, five hours is meaningless to you because you're like i used to have infinite hours <laughs> <laughs> well and the, the the little idea of the battery in the case so the case you store the airpods in has a battery in it which lasts for like 26 hours so you can get like four or five charges out of the case yeah. by, by storing them in there so every time you put them in there they're it's basically topping them up um and i mean just first off they didn't invent that but it's a good idea i'm glad no, they, i'm glad not. they stole it but um like some of the the complaints that i heard from people are not they're not like champagne problems they're more like 
how is this actually a problem problems like (laughs) several people like at least three or four people that i saw on twitter who admittedly are like pseudo celebrities and and have access to you know more wealth than the average person but they were like five hours (laughs) that that won't even get you through an atlantic flight (laughs) it's like oh my god when you're sitting in a chair you do not need wireless headphones you're sitting perfectly still just use normal wired headphones wireless headphones are to solve the problem of like you're up and moving and your arms are moving and your body's moving and if you were sitting in a chair probably asleep do you really need bluetooth headphones because if you've used wired headphones while moving for more than a cursory trial, they've been ripped out of your ears because of a doorknob or something else, and then you, you're angry for at least a few minutes. What is it about <laughs> earphones being ripped out that immediately sets you to a rage? It's like is it's like full road rage level, but you have no one to be mad at. No, you can't even be mad at the headphones because they're so like small and insignificant. It's like it's like shaking a feather violently you're like it's like trying to angrily yell bubbles (laughs) yeah this is it's it's a bizarre human condition but apple needs to rescue us with their wireless headphones that they invented so i don't know like we're we're dancing around what we already feel is well traveled by a million bloggers and a million podcasts about yeah the headphone jack being removed is mostly good for apple and arguably not really directly good for users at all except in this future promise it's going to make you know it's like html5 arrive sooner because we were dicks <laughs> about flash and yeah headphone jacks were open standards that don't really have security flaws the way flash did but nonetheless i don't know like if you buy that like in the future the world will be better and we're bringing it faster by being dicks i guess but yeah we don't have to retread all that like i agree with all the criticism but I'm See, still the ma- like eh. the majority of my problem with the criticism is that when you're Apple and you act like an arrogant, uh, w- you might say courageous when they act so <laughs> courageous, no. uh, when they have courage, uh, at least they tend to like show up and deliver. And I'm really not trying to be an Apple apologist. What I'm trying to say is, of course you're not. When, no, but I'm saying when <laughs> yes, me of all people. No, when Apple says. Hey, uh, we made this like super thin computer and we think it's the best. And, uh, also, uh, everyone agrees with us cause they bought one at the store. Like that is, it's hard to argue with that. But when some wise ass is like, you know, the, the headphone center, it's like a hundred years old. And it's like, yeah, it is. But you realize that even modern headphones come in at least two different sizes. Like you can't plug a one eighth like studio monitors into an iPhone. So already your precious every, this standard works everywhere has fallen apart. So (laughs) like just try and have like a tiny, teeny, tiny bit of perspective, but then it flips right back to Apple because the entire presentation they, and granted I'm going by the live blogs and tweets and stuff. So maybe in the, the full event, they said this, but they kept acting like they developed new syncing technology. It's Bluetooth. It's still Bluetooth. These are Bluetooth headphones. Like, yeah, they just move the brains to like the case or something or the little chip in it. There's, they've built on that standard. But it's not like, oh, these are suddenly going to get 10 times better sound quality. No, the sound is still traveling over the Bluetooth spectrum. So, yeah, 
polish, yes, please improve. That's how open standards are supposed to work. But it this is like there's just a lot of uh misrepresentation of what's happening and why it happened. And I get it. I've been yeah. on both sides of that. Well, I think to be fair, um, this is this is also a oh man, I miss Steve Jobs kind of moment. Even though he, <laughs> he he was full of controversial and like easy to make fun of statements that were like needlessly arrogant or something, but um, he has a quote that is almost the exact same quote about courage. Did you see this? Well, and um, the 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 popular wisdom is that the Phil Schiller quote is supposed to be referencing that Steve Jobs moment, but Phil Schiller Um, is not Steve Jobs. Well, and I think the point I'm making is that when Steve Jobs made a similar point, the way he said it was way better and would not have (laughs) led to the same mockery, the same Wizard of Oz lion gifts or anything, (laughs) which is he said courage of our convictions, which is immediately contextualizing it to say we thought this was the way forward and we're willing to do it even though people will criticize us. That's very different than just saying courage and letting everyone's imagination think of Selma like protests <laughs> and you know whatever like actually courageous moments in American or world history. Um, so in the end, that's like oh well, people misunderstood. It's like yeah, but Phil Schiller is the marketing head of Apple. It's his job to make their message unmistakable and well communicated. So I can't really give him any slack on it. Yeah, it's it it, it felt tone deaf by pretty much any standards and then comparing it to the quote he was most likely referencing makes it seem even more tone deaf because it's like (laughs) you had a frame of reference to play off of this was not you saying the word courage in this context for the first time you could have literally just been like uh you know Apple today is as courageous as Apple ever was. And that means doing what we think is right for, you know, the technology or something like, yeah. And just that tiny, that would just be boring, but uneventful and not not newsworthy. (laughs) Well, and do you really want every single sentence uttered to be launching a thousand blog posts? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, Helen of Troy of comments. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that is um, Phil's objective to be like every word out of my mouth will be, you know, worthy of a think piece on medium. That's yeah. He's a marketer, but you know, you, you need a little wiggle room between things that people find newsworthy. Otherwise it just all becomes noise. Yeah. I'm fairly confident that I won't buy these, like I said. And and the reason, because I don't think I said this before, was uh, I just find the Apple earpods to be wildly uncomfortable. And that's not a uh, harsh... And there's on- really no fix when it's like, they don't fit my ears. They're it's solid over. plastic. <laughs> like, if they had, like, my, my hoity-toity headphones that I love, my Bose headphones, um, have, you know, a, a malleable insert... And there's like three different sizes and you can pick the one that works for you. And then they make a tight fit because they're noise canceling and that's phenomenal. And I understand why Apple doesn't want to do that because the things can get lost and they can break and wear and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. uh, they, these, I feel like these are substantially better headphones. Even for people who are comfortable wearing ear pods, I still think they would prefer a malleable like form fitting 
insert. Yeah. What I, I I won the genetic lottery. The earpods do fit me, but before the earpods, Apple's white headphones never fit me. Oh, unless the, the I, round ones with the silver yeah, grill. Unless I put the foam on it, then they would stick in my ear because the foam would, you know, conform to my ear shape and kind of hold it in. Were there humans that have perfectly (laughs) circular half inch diameter ear canals? Who the hell were those even made for? I mean, they look nice in a press shot because they're symmetrical, but who the hell were they made for? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I think another thing people are missing, and again, maybe this was intentional or maybe Apple failed at communicating this, but they released, they're released they releasing four new sets of headphones because there's three new Beats that are coming out at the same time that have all the same secret sauce of the syncing and the... I don't know if they all do the the ear thing. Do you really feel like those are targeted at the same people, though? I really feel well, like the kind of people who buy Beats headphones are going to be told when they go into an Apple store... Hey, you have an iPhone seven, or you have an iPhone and an iPad and or iPad and a Mac. These are the Beats headphones you want. But someone who walks in and buys AirPods, I don't think they're going to say we also have Beats. Like maybe not, but uh, the one of the Beats is in ear and cheaper than the AirPods, one hundred and fifty. All right, um, that's awkward. That's a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and so does this a lot of the same stuff has a tether between the sides so you won't lose them and so like if <laughs> maybe that's an admission, hey, the AirPods are like our sports car futuristic headphone and then you should probably buy one of these other ones. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um I do feel like when you mention Beats these days, you kind of have to do this disclaimer of they're kind of no longer bad. They're just high priced. Right. And like, like at first they actually did suck, but now they sound fine. They're just, you know, two or three hundred dollars and who wants to spend that much? But Well, my, my understanding of the way Beats work is that they, regardless of how you are listening to music, they artificially ramp up the bass. Is that, yeah. And so if you're listening to, because I mean, it's, it's beats by Dre, right? Like they were designed <laughs> with the idea of listening to rap and hip hop, which is usually very bass heavy. And if you're listening on like a crappy, you know, CD Walkman or something, you're getting that extra bass kick that the, the digital audio convert or the, what, what, it, not the, the dig, DAC, the DAC, <laughs> what do you call the thing in, in a player though? Cause it's not digital audio. It's still analog. The, the driver, whatever it is, the thing that makes the sound the go. The amp. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. The the amp in like a crappy Sony Walkman is not going to be very powerful, but because the Beats headphones had some smarts and those smarts were make the bass louder, like <laughs> it, it gave a very particular sound that doesn't work as well with other kinds of music and really doesn't work with things like spoken word or like an yeah. audio book. Um, They've toned that down. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, so the, people, I th- I think, always ripped on beats, but it was kind of like, you know, oh, this fork is terrible as a baseball bat. And it's like, yeah, but it works pretty good as a fork. <laughs> like, if you listen to rap and hip hop and be- bass heavy music on beats headphones, probably sounds great. <laughs> or maybe they should just mix that music bass here. <laughs> they already do. and <laughs> You don't need to add more. I know. This is, <laughs> this is personal preference now. So it's, Yeah, very it's much. Really- but um, but it is kind of funny. I didn't realize that they had an almost identical set with the tether that you know companies are going to make a killing selling to people who have <laughs> AirPods to basically put a rubber band on the back of their AirPods. There there was some good Twitter snark about like 
selling a tether to the AirPods that would also hook to your phone so that, <laughs> so that you couldn't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Well, and I think you had mentioned uh, how long before someone makes an iPhone case that plugs into the lightning adapter and creates a pass-through, but then next to it has a normal analog headphone jack. Oh, yeah. I think that'll happen. I don't think Apple will release it, but... No. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't think Apple would release it, but I kind of wonder, like, are the guts thin enough that you could make it without adding a gigantic chin to the bottom of the case? I think the compromise will be the port goes out the side, like the corner to the left or right oh. instead of down, yeah. which for your pocket sucks so yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> technology's hard dude <laughs> so hard uh, hey, so you actually you have uh godforsaken ear pods in right now don't you i sure do so if these if you could get these on like super sale for 99 dollars or something like what would it take to make you buy what do i have to do to send you home in some airpods today <laughs> <laughs> i'd buy them for 99 probably yeah so it really is, you're not concerned about the technology being Gen 1, you're just concerned about it being Gen 1 at this price? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe someone will gift them to me. That would be the best case. <laughs> maybe. I, any, anybody? 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 And <laughs> it's because, like, I have, I have audiophile headphones when I want to hear detail, and... I wouldn't get the AirPods thinking, man, this quality is going to be great. It <laughs> yeah. would be like, the quality is fine. I'm listening to podcasts or I I don't mind how music sounds in them most of the time. And then when I want to hear it really well, I'll get my other thing out. And so like, I wouldn't go into it with those illusions. And it really would be that convenience of, I'm going on a walk and I kind of want to hear a podcast while I do it. So it would just be nice to have that convenience the convenience is really the king is why i would be interested yeah and i don't think they they talked about sound quality but they didn't act like you're gonna mix symphony orchestras with your airpods like they they know that that's not what this is and they don't try and pretend that it's anything else i mean i feel the same way about the the airbuds whatever you call these earpods the the basketball playing dogs (laughs) i have in my ears (laughs) Uh, they don't sound amazing at all. They're mediocre, but they're fine for what I do most of the time. I don't mix podcasts on them, usually. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time. Um, So I think the last thing I really have to say about the iPhone part of the event is uh, no one believed it was actually possible, but they have killed the 16 gigabyte storage tier. Oh, yeah. And it's no longer impressive to anyone. They're like, oh, man, 32 is barely cutting it. Yeah. Yeah, they really <laughs> held on not even just longer than reasonable, but like way longer than is reasonable. Like for a premium device to have still had such a small amount of storage uh, as until as recently as like a week ago, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. Which I think it was, was it the 3GS or the 4 where 16 became the lowest tier standard? I I don't remember. So, I mean, we're talking seven years-ish yeah. of 16 gig being the bottom tier how many you know apps went 64 bit so their basic binary size went up 
apps went universal, so they often contain components from the iPad version. I think that's been sorted out because like it only downloads what it needs. But um, there's all sorts of reasons the same apps you used in 2010 are bigger just from the fact of progress let alone that people are shooting 4K footage and taking 12, you know, megapixel photos like yeah, that are also secretly short videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's really like no one is like praising Apple for doubling that storage to the point where I, you didn't watch the live keynote. Did you see the people like losing their minds when the first at first the slide Schiller showed said 16 gig? He totally trolled it. He, it just said 16 gig, 64, 128. And then right as people were, you know, halfway through the tweets of like, oh, my God, <laughs> uh, he, he clicked the next slide and said, just kidding, 32, 128. So the last thing I want to talk about just really quickly is uh, where the hell are my Macs? Where are my Macs at? I, I don't think there's a company that makes those anymore. <laughs> they just gave up completely. <laughs> like we're giving up two things: sixteen gigabyte basic storage <laughs> and all Macs. Uh, apparently, Tim Cook decided it was worth responding to because there's an email going around where he said, "Stay tuned," which is you know tells you literally nothing. Um, my guess is they're gonna they're, there's new MacBooks in October. Maybe they'll bump the iMacs too. I'm not expecting a Mac Pro. Maybe they're they're done with Mac Pros. Or they're waiting for some certain messiah of some Intel chipset where they decide, okay, now we're back in the Mac Pro game. The crime is that they still sell the 2013 Mac Pro for the same price, which I have to tell anyone, especially any like less techie but still engaged in digital media folks I bump into now that are like, what should I buy if I want to like you know do animation? I have to be like, oh my god. Do not buy a Mac Pro. Whatever you do, buy a Retina iMac, build a PC. Those are your two best options. Or get a MacBook Pro after they upgrade. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting anything revolutionary. I just want the you know requisite spec bumps, thinness, processor, storage, RAM, chipset, all that stuff. I mean screen like you can't even get a macbook air with yeah. a retina screen why 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 not yeah either the pro needs to get that thin or the macbook needs to grow up enough but we need that that consumer level <laughs> retina well do they do they still still sell that thick cd drive macbook pro 13 inch i don't think so i don't think you can buy any of their laptops with a cd drive anymore uh well that'll have to be some follow-up because i don't want to live research it right now <laughs> uh so there we go i mean we didn't cover the whole event because we don't need to the internet did that a million times already but hopefully we, we found some little angles to actually talk about something interesting my final complaint, though, is they really need to stop talking about console-level gaming on every new iPhone. It's just, it's not, it's really not. Just stop, stop it, stop. <laughs> also, consoles aren't the highest measure of gaming performance. <laughs> They're actually usually the middle or baseline, like, low end. So, yeah, it's ridiculous on many levels. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that, that was my bow, so now you may take us out. All right. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 136 of Flipping Tables. As always, we'll collect all these links to all these articles we mentioned in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 136. Uh, me and David love feedback, and there's two main ways. Uh, we have our Reddit community, as we mentioned at the top of the show, at reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables. And every single episode will be there with its own discussion. And I wasn't as good this past week, but I'll be back in there and contributing. And I, I mean, even though I wasn't there, even though I wasn't there, there was great conversation happening. Um, me and David are both on Twitter, too, for the more immediate. Uh, tends to be more one-to-one, even though it's still a public conversation. Uh, you can tweet me at pseudo-Michael, S-U-D-O-Michael. And David, you are? At Lions in Beta. So that's awesome. Please do tell us your thoughts on the AirPods and all this other crap that's going on. Um, Or just your thoughts on privacy, like we talked about at the beginning. Can companies even reliably delete your data if they wanted to? Um, If you want uh, at our show, you should... Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Make a note. While you're at our site looking at those delicious show notes, you should subscribe to our show, which you can do with the iTunes or RSS button, uh, or in your podcatcher, just search for Flipping Tables and we should show right up. And uh, that way you get new episodes delivered automatically to your device, which is awesome. If you want to support us directly, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash sunriserobot. And depending on the level you support us, you might get your name mentioned uh, on our website or with every new episode of Flipping Tables or any other show on Sunrise Robot. And with that, we want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Fancy Ceramic Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ida Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much. So, so much. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.